Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The cheerleaders at a gym in Buffalo have been recording themselves. What's up? To make a new documentary. We're the so-called news reporters. Because one year ago, a mass shooting changed their lives. He just walked around and shot all the black people. The cheer squad, most of whom are black, had to figure out how to go on and how to compete. I wanted the win for them more than anything this season. Listen to the Embedded podcast from NPR within the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. It's Las Vegas, it's the 1990s, and it is time to find a husband. There were four Jewish doctors who were felt to be eligible bachelors. One of them was Bob Berenbaum. On paper, he was perfect, but in reality... This guy's a wacko. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi, it's Elvis Duran on my new podcast, Thinking Out Loud with Elvis Duran. I'll be bringing you candid and maybe sometimes a little crazy interviews with people from all walks of life. We'll touch on subjects that you just can't talk about on the radio, like life, love, success, failure, whatever else comes to mind, but all jacked up because after being in this business for as long as I have, I want to get to the bottom of what makes people tick. Now listen to my new podcast, Thinking Out Loud on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's me, Isaac Mizrahi, and oh my God, we have such a special guest coming up on Hello, Isaac. It's the fabulous Andy Cohen. He's here to talk to us about all the stuff you want to talk to Andy about. And darlings, that episode is coming out on Monday, July 31st. Listen to Hello, Isaac on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. This just in today, attorneys for George Wagner IV say there is proof he did not kill any of the eight victims and therefore could avoid the death penalty. Judge Randy Deering heard an impassioned plea from George Wagner's attorney who said his client never pulled a trigger on the night eight members of the Roden family were killed execution style. The state made a deal with the devil, basically. So far, Edward Jake Wagner and his mother, Angela Wagner, have confessed to prosecutors and have agreed to testify against the rest of the family. George and Billy Wagner are still going through the court process. The trial has been set for April of next year. This is George Wagner's defense attorney talking about Jake Wagner. He's the person that is most responsible for this. He's the actual killer. He's the actual shooter. He's the one that snuck into these homes in the middle of the night and shot the victims in the head. All right, our client didn't shoot anybody. I know he says we made a deal with the devil. Unfortunately, there's more than one devil in this case, and that is all four of the individuals who are charged in this matter. This is The Piketon Massacre, Return to Pike County, Season 3, Episode 4, State of Ohio versus George Wagner IV. I'm Courtney Armstrong, a television producer at KT Studios with Stephanie Lidecker and Jeff Shane. With both Jake and Angela taking plea deals, the possible outcome of George Wagner's trial seems, on the surface, limited in scope. It is anything but that. The defense is trying to position themselves to win the case by limiting what evidence will be admissible through a series of motions. Each motion involves a request to the court by the defense to make a decision on a specific issue before the trial begins. Here's retired prosecutor Ann Flanagan. If you look at any trial, it is the state that has to put out everything. It's like throwing a party and you're the host or hostess and you have to have everything ready. Well, you might have a guest on the other side who's going to come and say, well, you didn't get ice, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. So all they have to do is whittle away at the state's witnesses and evidence. It's up to the judge to make a decision on each of these changes. In this episode, we're taking a deep dive into George Wagner's pre-trial and how these motions could radically change the outcome of the trial. Two motions, 80 and 81, have been introduced specifically to keep evidence off the table. For a capital murder case like George's, it could mean the difference between life and death. And as we'll find out, even with their plea deals in place, it could affect whether Jake and Angela reopen themselves to the death penalty. 
The first motion we'll discuss is 81. Here's journalist Anjanette Levy, followed by criminal attorney and legal analyst Mike Allen. They're both speaking with producer Chris Graves. On January 10th of 2022, the defense for George Wagner filed motion number 81, and it was a motion to suppress audio recordings. And the thing they're taking issue with in this motion is the fact that apparently BCI agents and other law enforcement involved in this case placed listening devices in a truck that was driven by both George Wagner and Jake Wagner. Before the Wagners were arrested in 2018, hundreds of hours of audio were recorded by Ohio BCI. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, what on earth could be so damning in these recordings? There may be nothing or there may be something, I don't know. This is all speculation at this point, but there might be something that George incriminated himself on that they're trying to suppress, right? There would have to be or they wouldn't go to the problem to file a motion. No question about it. Defense counsel wants something with respect to those statements thrown out. We just don't know what it is. So in your mind, George or someone in his cab or on some conversation possibly incriminated the family? Absolutely. Absolutely. They wouldn't be going through all this if that weren't the case. To obtain the recordings, homicide detectives had to gain physical access to George's truck. Here's Stephanie and Jeff. I think there's a really big piece to the puzzle here about wiretapping and bugging. And there seems to be some sort of a difference between the two that is now really a big piece of George's defense. Wiretapping and bugging, I think, often get confused. And you see wiretapping and bugging a lot in movies and TV shows, but it's actually a little more nuanced than what you see on the screen. So how wiretapping works specifically is that you need to get permission from a phone company to tap into the cell transmission tower. And back in the old days, what you would see done in the movies is cops literally clipping wires to the phone line in the basement or something like that. But now it's all done remotely, electronically. So in conjunction with a warrant served to the cell phone provider, officials are able to do it from the comfort of their office. Bugging literally is this transmitter with a microphone that needs to be planted someplace physically in a space where authorities would want to pick up conversations. Which is, by the way, very interesting because they have to go through a very layered process to be able to get permission to bug a vehicle. Bugging is much more invasive because you're actually able to record private conversations in someone's home or their car. And in this case, they were able to get all types of conversations that George Wagner was having. So law enforcement was apparently able to listen to and remotely record everything that was said in that truck 24-7. I mean, in-person conversations, phone conversations, and even Mr. Wagner talking to himself. The defense is claiming that the recordings are inadmissible for a number of reasons many pertaining to the fact that it was George's truck that was bugged. The case of the bugging is slightly complicated as it applies to the Wagners because what the BCI bugged was not George's vehicle. It was the truck that he used for work. So he didn't own this big rig truck. It was his employer's truck. And so presumably the BCI was given permission to access the vehicle from the employer and planted the bug when 
George was not with the truck. The type of truck George would drive is a typical semi that you see all over the country on the highways. And so the semi has a sleeper cab in the back, which is where the drivers go to take a rest, relax, sleep for the night. So Ohio BCI agents put the bug in the sleeper cab portion of the semi truck. And this small detail is one of the four things the defense is using to get the motion dismissed. There could be an issue with that because that sleeper cabin on the semi could be analogized to being someone's home. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, it probably was when Mr. Wagner was on the road. And the house is the most constitutionally protected thing that there is. So there might be a potential problem there with the authorization itself. Because the truck was both not owned by George and served as his sleeping quarters, the defense may argue it is similar to bugging a hotel room. We also know that Jake was in the truck as well. At some point, the two brothers were alone for hours or even days on the road in what they assumed was a completely private setting. That really does speak to the question of assumed privacy and conversations that may have happened between Jake and George, allegedly. Those conversations are probably very relevant for this trial. So the fact that the defense wants to question that speaks more to what they're potentially hiding. Here's Judge Pat Dinkelocker. This is interesting because we don't get bugging cases, wiretapping cases much. When I looked through this, I thought to myself, if they had an expectation of privacy, the two of them, okay, and the, the state illegally violated that, then this is uh, the proper motion that the, the judge could grant and say that they're not allowed to bring those audio recordings into evidence. Here's Judge Sylvia Hendon, who works as a visiting judge out of the Ohio Supreme Court. It's a violation of the Sixth Amendment. We see that all the time. You have an expectation of privacy. Does your expectation of privacy increase if you're in a sleeper cab truck versus a regular cab truck? I don't know the answer to that. But again, speaking from an appellate perspective, I can tell you that whichever way Judge Deering goes on this, it's going to be an issue, I believe, in the event of an appeal. I would have to believe that that motion to suppress is going to loom large in the Court of Appeals in the event of a guilty finding. I will be very interested to see his ruling. If I'm employed by somebody, even if I'm sleeping there, I wouldn't think that I walk into a building or an entity owned by somebody else that's employing me. I wouldn't think that I would have an expectation of privacy. Here's former BCI homicide investigator Seth Hageman testifying in court. He oversaw the creation of the warrants for the Wagner case. So when you're installing devices, you need a search warrant in the county where you're going to install the devices. Correct. And specifically, you're talking about the search warrant that was installed in the RNL truck. Correct. That both the defendant, George Wagner, and his brother, Jake Wagner, drove in tandem. Correct. To get approval to bug or wiretap, investigators must adhere to an even stricter protocol than a standard search warrant. They must also produce what's called an interception warrant. 
Interception warrants are inherently scrutinized to a greater degree because of the privacy issues that they raise. And there's very specific statutory requirements of other things in addition to just the normal probable cause of a search warrant that needs to be addressed. Among those is not only do I have to show there's probable cause that a crime was committed, you have to show that there is probable cause that a specific person or persons committed that crime. You actually have to show that you've exhausted other methods of investigation that were less intrusive prior to applying for that. And so those are the different steps that make it more complicated and a much more difficult process to obtain. Hageman and Ohio BCI felt that after months of the investigation, they had grounds to successfully lobby for an interception warrant. During the investigation, Inspector Hageman put together a lengthy report and submitted it for approval of an interception warrant to bug the Wagner's truck. The warrant was approved, giving homicide a period of 30 days to monitor the truck once the bug was installed. The state played it 100% by the book. But the prosecution's case is complicated by the fact that Ohio BCI coordinated the bugging of George's truck with his employer. And the defense has raised this as a second point of contention in their motion. Here again, reporter Anjanette Levy, followed by attorney and legal analyst Mike Allen. The defense is saying this basically violated George's rights because the owner of the truck allowed it to happen and he had an expectation of privacy. But I'm not really sure you have an expectation of privacy in a truck that your employer owns. Apparently the owner consented to the bug, but it's a case of where the owner is actually acting as the government's agent and authorizing that. And there could be problems with that. It probably would be upheld. Uh, You know, it all depends on what the cops probable cause for the, the search warrant to do that would be. And I think that's one of the sticking points on this one. There is a third complicating issue for the prosecution. Much of the audio was recorded across state lines. Would any statement that is given outside of the state of Ohio be valid under that warrant? Now, I don't have the warrant, so I don't know for sure, but I think that's going to be questioned as well. Usually warrants are just limited to the the geographical jurisdiction, and and in this case, it'd be Pike County and or the state of Ohio. But let's just say he said something incriminating in Tennessee. I don't know. I mean, there may be problems with that, too. If it was a federal warrant, then they'd be okay. But a a state warrant, they, they might have some issues with that. I've not researched it. I've never encountered it ever as an attorney law student, whatever, but it's an issue that if I were defense counsel, I'd be pursuing it. The defense also claims that the investigators on the case tried to lead the Wagner brothers into incriminating themselves. They talk about in the motion that they were trying to stimulate incriminating conversation by initiating the contact, and that could be problematic for the government too. I mean, if a statement is freely and voluntarily given, then there's no problem with it. But if the government induces someone to make a statement, that could be problematic. What I also thought was very interesting about this was the fact that police would actually put things out on social media in hopes that 
one of the Wagners, or specifically Angela Wagner, accused killer mom. And she would see these posts and that would maybe stir up conversation that they would then have with each other. And then those conversations would be bugged. This is actually called tickling the wire. And tickling the wire means that the feds have wiretaps in place and are placing stories and then waiting for revealing conversations to happen because of said stories. And that's the question specifically. Is that baiting or is that just good process? Angela Wagner's mother, Rita Jo Newcomb, was sent a court order to have these conversations where she would goat the boys into having further conversations with their mother and father about the crimes. Remember, when she got arrested, her mother also got arrested. That's Rita Newcomb. So here is Rita trying to get herself also out of this mess that she was dragged into because she was accused of all this forgery with the original custody documents. Now she's basically working with BCI to start conversations with the Wagner boys to hopefully get them to say something incriminating. And that just shows the dissension between, you know, mother-daughter. That's her grandsons. And that's her daughter and her son-in-law. Rita Newcomb was charged with forgery, perjury, and obstructing justice. In 2019, Newcomb reached a plea deal and those charges were dropped. She ultimately pleaded guilty to a reduced misdemeanor charge of obstructing official business. It must have been probably a hard pill to swallow. We know she didn't have much choice because it was a court order. But at this point, we do know a little bit of her frame of mind, according to her son, Chris Newcomb, that she felt really betrayed by Angela. She has her son and other grandchildren to look out for. And so if Angela and her sect of the family are not going to look out for her, why is she going to look out for them? I mean, that must have been the most brutal decision to have to make. Do you actually turn against your own daughter and your grandsons and your son-in-law? And by the way, it must have worked and got them talking because the defense is adamant that they do not want these conversations to be a part of any of this moving forward. So you could imagine those conversations must be very telling. During testimony, Seth Hageman confirmed the success of this approach in the past. How many other interception warrants would you say that you've been a part of where it has been related to a cold case homicide? Four or five. And in those situations, did you use this same method as far as tickling the wire or provocative acts or whatever your terminology is for that? Yes, in every single one, even the ones that had some level of current crime happening, we would use some level of tickling the wire just to try to get conversation about those past events. Okay. And have you been met with success in those efforts? There was success in all of them. In most cases, we've developed information that's led to either ongoing prosecutions or guilty pleas or verdicts. And in another case, I've actually exonerated someone using that method. Here again is attorney Mike Allen. It's just a really fine line as far as inducement. The government has some flexibility, but still, I mean, they can't illicitly, for an illicit purpose, uh, kind of goad them into making a comment. Every case rises and falls on its own set of facts. And I know that's not really a helpful answer, but it's an accurate answer. Besides investigators and the Wagners themselves, no one but the prosecution and defense know what is on those tapes. 
if the guy makes some incriminating statements and they are validly taken, that's a problem. I mean, it's a problem for the defense because they, they're stuck with them. If you were in the prosecution's seat and you saw this come down, what are you mm -hmm. thinking? Well, as the prosecution, I mean, I would fight as hard as I could, obviously, to make sure the judge keeps it in. But again, I, it's, I'm just assuming that they've got a lot of other evidence as well. But the defense attorney's doing his job here. I mean, it, he wants to whittle away at state's evidence as much as he can. And, you know, this is all a part of it. It's just so hard to say how much it would damage the state's case when we don't know what other cards they're holding. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. Back in the 1990s in Las Vegas, a few of us dated the most eligible bachelor in town, Bob. He spoke several languages. He did medical missionary work, and he was Jewish. He was perfect on paper. But he wasn't. He really wasn't. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. Bob could lie about anything. It only takes the one time and somebody ends up dead. Unfortunately for Bob, us girlfriends know how to fight back. I wanted him to pay for his crime. He needed to be put to justice. I'll be honest with you, if I saw him right now, I'd spit on him. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. I will always hound you and haunt you. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. L.A.'s reputation, not so great. People from L.A. will have a very superficial, nice conversation with you, and they won't lift a finger to help you. L.A. people represent vapidity. Stop that, like, oh, the best calls, like, oh, shoot me. As someone born and raised here, I can tell you there's much more to L.A. than this. My name is James Kim, and I'm the creator of a new anthology fiction podcast called You Feeling This. It's 10 different stories about L.A. and the real people who make up this city. What up, people? Did you listen to my message? Who are just trying to get by. I think I was just freaking out because I'm scared. By connecting with each other. <laughs> I'm going to be a father? <laughs> you feeling this? A fiction podcast mixtape about love. Listen to it on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. How Rude Tanneritos is the Full House Rewatch podcast you've been waiting for. Each week, get together with iconic characters Stephanie Tanner and Kimmy Gibbler, also known as actresses Jodie Sweetin and Andrea Barber, as they team up to relive every episode of your favorite Friday night comfort show. We spent our entire childhoods on a little show called Full House, playing frenemies, but becoming besties whenever the cameras weren't rolling. And now, 35 years later, it's our biggest adventure yet. Get ready for Jodie and Andrea to tell all as they take an in-depth look back at life in and around the Tanner home from the very, very very beginning. So if you think you know everything there is to know about Full House, how rude. We'll be reliving every moment with you and we'll be joined by our Full House family including all your favorites from 192 episodes. We'll reveal the hidden treasures you may have missed within the show and we'll take a trip down memory lane together. Listen to How Rude Tanneritos on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, everybody. We know there are a ton of podcasts out there. Well, we have one we would love for you to check out. It is called the Pen Pals Podcast with Daniel Van Kirk and Rory Scovel. We are both stand-up comedians. We're actors. We're writers. But now, most of all, we are your pen pals. Every single episode, we get two letters that we read from our listeners, our new pen pals. It can be about anything going on in their life. And sometimes we're also joined by guests like Will Ferrell. I'm going to bring you up in front of the group, and I'm going to punch you as hard as I can in the stomach. Rose Burke. Welcome this is West it. Hollywood. We keep it clean. Judd Apatow. If you yeah. use like Beats by Dre, is that mm-hmm. considered Andy Mandelwerf? Conan O'Brien. I'm just showing you that my mind is quick, if not that funny. And Mandy Moore. We're all crossing the line together. Listen to the Pen Pals podcast on Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sincerely, your new Pen Pals, Daniel Van Kirk and Rory Scovel. Another motion, Motion 80, has been put forth by the defense to block Jake and Angela's testimony. It's another possible game changer. As part of his plea deal, Jake makes many claims that seemingly exonerate George of the worst aspects of this grisly massacre. Here again, Chris Graves speaking with retired prosecutor Ann Flanagan. This is from Jake's proffer. Jake has stated clearly that George did not shoot anyone, did not fire a shot, was not supposed to go with Jake and Billy on the murder spree, and only went at the last second to protect Jake from Billy, who was thought he might kill Jake at the end of the series of aggravated murders, presumably to get rid of a witness. You never really see motions to suppress the testimony of someone else. So they have still the capability of trying to show some kind of dishonesty on Jake's part or that he's not testifying truthfully. But what they're asking the court to do is to take this away, to suppress their statements before the jury ever gets to hear it. Grounds to suppress are usually based on misconduct of officers. Was there coercive activity on the part of officers? And they weren't coerced, clearly, uh, Angela and Jake. For one thing, the defense attorneys here don't represent Angela or Jake, so they don't have standing to suppress their statements because they're representing George. They can move to suppress his statements but not Jake's and Angela. So this is somewhat novel. They're trying to suppress it, not because of any coercive activity, but because he might be motivated to lie under oath because he wants to get his agreement enforced. So are proffers done under oath? They can be, they don't have to be. I don't know how they did it here. I know I have done that on occasion when I have a co-defendant or someone that's going to cooperate. I have tried to get it under oath in case they don't testify in accordance with it. I can bring that up and cross-examine them. Look, you gave a a sworn statement before. You were under oath. You said it was the truth. You're now you're saying this. So I'm assuming they may have done that, but it's not required. It's possible Jake could have lied to get out of the death penalty or said what he had to say to save his brother. You're obviously putting some trust and some faith in his statement. You're putting somebody up there to testify to this when you may not be exactly sure that he's telling the whole truth. 
And that happens sometimes in cases where somebody, they're telling you the truth, but maybe not the whole truth. Like you're not getting the whole story, the entire story, but you're basically getting what happened, but not every little detail. Mm -hmm. Because maybe Jake was trying to protect his brother at some point too. You know, maybe he's thinking, God, I can't take my brother down with me. Not sure why a father would kill his son or why another son would be fearful of that. It affects even the motivation potentially is Billy the... The mastermind. Yeah, but mastermind and also his motive if he's trying to eliminate witnesses. And certainly <laughs> makes you think this is not the most functional family. The presumption has been that it was Angela who kind of masterminded everything. And I'm not saying she's not deserving, I don't know here. But we're hard on matriarchs sometimes or mothers. And did we do that legitimately? It does really kind of make you think, who was calling the shots in this operation? If that's indeed true, that George only went along at the last minute to protect his brother from their father, what was going on there? What is Billy capable of? I mean, I guess George, in this scenario, was ready to die for his brother protecting him. That would be one hell of a car ride, wouldn't it? Yeah. I don't know much about Billy. Nobody's spoken about Billy very much. Is that the kind of defense they're fashioning, that he's here to protect Jake from Big Bad Billy and that they're both afraid of him? And how is he going to protect him from Big Bad Billy unless he has a firearm, maybe? Do you know what kind of dad he was? How was he with Jake and George? He was an asshole. Chris Newcomb, who we've heard from before, is Angelo Wagner's half-brother. No, her and Billy get into some screaming matches. Billy's about as useless as tits on a boar hog. That's the guy's running the truth up. How do you mean? I mean, that man is 100% just lazy as hell, useless, always conniving on something, trying to think of how to do something to make a quick buck. That's the most worthless human being I think I've ever met in my life. Despite Billy's nature, Angela stood by his side. Some see a parallel with Angela's dad, Eddie Pug Carter. I knew him as Hug Carter. He always wore this like metal brace and he walked with a limp. What I heard from my dad was that he would climb electric poles and steal copper or something off the poles. And he'd gotten electrocuted and it affected his walking. It could be that Angela was fiercely loyal to Billy because he reminded her of her father. At the end of the day, the prosecution in this particular case is focused on one job, putting George Wagner behind bars or possibly even sending him to death row. It will be up to the jury to navigate the muddy waters of the Wagner family dynamic. If you are a group of people and you are going to go do something, if one person holds back and says, no, I'm not gonna do this, it may not happen. If two do, certainly it may not happen. But when you have these people bolstering each other and actually sharing ideas and dynamics, they're just as much a part of all that ended up happening as the person who actually pulled the trigger. And I know that, and I think jurors know that, and people know that, but will they really hold them accountable? 
It's a little harder to understand how the pleas are going to work into the trial. Actually, presiding over four separate cases is a lot easier than presiding over four people together. Because in a separate case, you're focused on that particular defendant. Now, you're still going to have to keep things straight. You're going to have to know when to exclude evidence. There's a lot of rules about confessions of co-defendants that you're going to have to follow. But to try to balance a case with four defendants, because right away you've got eight lawyers if you're talking about a capital murder case. So you've got a minimum of eight lawyers, four defendants, and Lord only knows how many witnesses. Let's stop here for another break. I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. Back in the 1990s in Las Vegas, a few of us dated the most eligible bachelor in town, Bob. He spoke several languages. He did medical missionary work, and he was Jewish. He was perfect on paper. But he wasn't. He really wasn't. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. Bob could lie about anything. It only takes the one time and somebody ends up dead. Unfortunately for Bob, us girlfriends know how to fight back. I wanted him to pay for his crime. He needed to be put to justice. I'll be honest with you, if I saw him right now, I'd spit on him. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. I will always hound you and haunt you. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Dahlia Wild, and I want to invite you to listen to my newest podcast. We are stardust in the sense that the atoms that make up our bodies have already existed in two stars. It's called the Oh My God Particle Show, or OMGPS for short. Are you like me, always wondering about the universe? like What the universe is made of. What is in the atmospheres of alien planets? And, you know, how are we even here to even ask those questions? So, road trip. I want to get some answers directly from researchers at the Large Hadron Collider. We're colliding particles with energies that naturally existed when the universe was about a trillionth of a second old. I found scientists from all over the world. Everybody is working together to get their experiment working. I got to talk to brilliant astrophysicists who collaborated with... Brian May, the guitarist from Queen. Listen to the Oh My God Particle Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. She's a Hollywood Western. She's Jack Kerouac, but in a nap dress with braids. She is one of the most important American children's authors of the 20th century. She's the basis for a television show still watched around the world. Somebody somewhere is watching Little House of the Brave. She's been called a hero, a racist, a feminist, and a propagandist. I think the harm is too great because it's just one more thing that Native children have to endure. She is Laura Ingalls Wilder, author of the book series Little House on the Prairie. As a kid, I idolized Laura. And last summer, I went on the road in search of the real Laura. We're literally on the prairie. What I found was a complicated person alongside the complicated country she represents. I'm Glynis McNichol, and this is Wilder. Listen to Wilder on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the best podcast ever with Raven and Miranda, you'll hear, well, the best podcast ever. 
Join Raven Simone and her partner Miranda Mayday as they let the wheel of words determine the topic of that week's show. Every episode will spin a wheel of random words from things like animosity to something like Zodiac and whatever it lands on. That's what we're going to talk about for around an hour. Think we can't do it? Well, then you've never heard us talk. Each week, Raven and Miranda and celebrity guests like Demi Lovato, Kiki Palmer, and Megan Trainer will spin the fateful wheel, and then the conversation will begin. Also, we're going to have a ton of amazing guests because you don't want to just hear us two all the time, do you? Yes, you do. <laughs> and somehow we're going to start with something like Spider and end with, well, when was your last nervous breakdown? <laughs> Listen to the best podcast ever with Raven and Miranda on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Without the audio from George's truck, the jury will not get to hear what the detectives heard in private conversations between the brothers. And if the defense's motions are successful, Jake and Angela's testimony will be off the table as well. Would you be concerned if it's a live witness and Angela steps on the stand and she's facing her oldest son testifying against him? Is there worry that that might cause her not to... Yeah, any witness who's somewhat involved with the defense, even though they've said they're testifying and they've given good information in the past, you have to wonder what's the physical, visceral effect, emotional effect of sitting in front of that person. Will they freeze? Will they talk? Will they tell us what they've told us before? This brings us to the final issue the defense and prosecution must navigate. How Jake and Angela's plea deal relates to these motions and what that means for the future of all four Wagners. As of now, the death penalty is still on the table for George Wagner. And Jake and Angela's deal to avoid death row is not guaranteed. It's contingent upon their testimony being what the court calls to the satisfaction of the prosecution. We look at this family and their story keeps changing. And I am curious to know what the air quote satisfaction of the prosecution even means. Does that mean that if Jake and Angela, who we know have taken plea agreements, if they don't deliver the goods, then what? Is their death sentence put back on the table? Are all of their death sentences put back on the table? Who decides the satisfaction piece? It would be the prosecution. And so basically under the terms of their deal, they probably agreed to the version of events of that night and the months that led up to the crime. And so if once they're on the stand under oath and they don't stick to the script, for lack of a better term, then the whole deal would be off and death penalty would be back on the table for the entire family. George is sticking to his not guilty plea, which would imply that he's not involved in this at all. And so Jake and Angela's testimony, which we can assume is going to say something along the lines of, well, while George might not have pulled the trigger, he certainly knew about the murders and might have been there the night of the murders and helped cover the murders up. And so that testimony is going to be pretty damning for his not guilty plea. It does also speak to the fact that there are so many endings that could still be. You know, we see plea deals and you think that's the end of the road for Jake Wagner. But now that's not so. There's a big performance ahead and he and now his mother, who he's essentially working with and against at the same time, how this plays out in court with George and then later Billy, dad, every piece of it affects the other person. So the totality of it is massive. 
And this whole case from the beginning has been utterly unpredictable. And so to assume when Billy and George's trials start that we know what's going to happen and we know what Jake and Angela are going to say when they're on the stand, I think we'd be naive. I think what we can assume is that we don't really know the ending yet. We've been told several theories, even just this season alone, that speak to a larger plot happening behind the scenes and that it's possible that the Wagners are lying. Jake may have a hand in deciding whether he and his brother live or die. It's also possible the defense and prosecution don't know the whole story that Angela and Jake have to tell. There's a tenseness about it that, that isn't there with other cases. We don't know what other evidence exists. You know, we, we just don't know, to be honest with you. It all depends on what their story is on that day. In a courtroom, face to face with a son, with a brother, and a jury of their peers. I mean, with whisperings of cartel involvement and other rumors still lingering in Pike County, if given the opportunity to testify, could Jake and Angela Wagner choose to blow this whole thing up? Or are they being put up to it behind bars? We have heard many rumors regarding the cartel and that there's a larger story happening here and that the Rodin's murder was not just merely over custody, but that there's larger issues at play with some different dealings between the families. And that's dangerous stuff. And maybe it's possible that the Wagners are safest behind bars. More on that next time. If you're enjoying The Pikes and Massacre, listen to our other hit series, Crazy in Love. New episodes air every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. For more information and case photos, follow us on Instagram at KT underscore studios. The Pikes and Massacre is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Jeff Shane, Chris Graves, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa. Music by Jared Aston. Audio mixing by Ken Novak. The Piketon Massacre is a production of KT Studios and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. It's Las Vegas, it's the 1990s, and it is time to find a husband. There were four Jewish doctors who were felt to be eligible bachelors. One of them was Bob Berenbaum. On paper, he was perfect, but in reality... This guy is a wacko. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Elvis Duran on my new podcast, Thinking Out Loud with Elvis Duran. I'll be bringing you candid and maybe sometimes a little crazy interviews with people from all walks of life. We'll touch on subjects that you just can't talk about on the radio, like life, love, success, failure, whatever else comes to mind, but all jacked up because after being in this business for as long as I have, I want to get to the bottom of what makes people tick. Now listen to my new podcast, Thinking Out Loud on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's me, Isaac Mizrahi, and oh my God, we have such a special guest coming up on Hello, Isaac. It's the fabulous Andy Cohen. He's here to talk to us about 
all the stuff you want to talk to Andy about. And darlings, that episode is coming out on Monday, July 31st. Listen to Hello, Isaac on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So how does a half-American, half-Nicaraguan party girl from New Orleans with absolutely no journalism experience break the biggest story of the 80s? That's what Journalista is all about. I'm a woman, wife beater t-shirt, not wearing a bra, curses like a sailor. I got balls bigger than any man. Dan Rather used to call me his secret weapon. Listen to Journalista every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.